Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Rishi Das, uh, the co-founder of IndieCube, uh, which is a workspace provider for large and small enterprises. Uh, Rishi is a graduate of IIT Roorkee and uh, has been an entrepreneur for uh, last 20 plus years, uh, co-founding multiple ventures along the way. Uh, hi Rishi, uh, welcome to ELI. Hi Priyaranjan. Hi, thank you. I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, and I'm assuming a large part of us uh, listening to this uh, podcast uh, will be uh, would be entrepreneurs or people aspiring or already entrepreneurs. So I I belong to Lucknow. Came and then did my engineering as Piranjan mentioned from IIT Roorkee 1997 and uh, then decided uh, to have a brief stint in IT, uh, worked for a company called Tata Infotech for briefly about a year. And then in 1998, uh, uh, decided to go entrepreneurial. Uh, those were different days of entrepreneurship, uh, unlike today where entrepreneurship is a lot more fashionable. Uh, so along with my brother co-founded CareerNet, uh, it's a company into the recruitment space, right? From campus hiring to senior level hires is what we manage. Uh, so we are perhaps the largest recruitment company in India, and we have a team of about uh, 2,200 people now. And these are all recruiters. We don't do any temping in that business. So we manage the entire spectrum of recruiting uh, uh, from campus to boardroom, and then also across all aspects of hiring uh, is what we do in that company. And uh, uh, a large part of my entrepreneurial journey has been career net. And in 2015, along with uh, my other co-founder, Meghna, uh, started IndieCube. And uh, that's a company uh, into the managed office spaces uh, where we provide office spaces to a lot of uh, startups, uh, late stage companies, uh, even Fortune 500 companies. And uh, there we manage about three and a half million square feet of office space now spread across six cities. And uh, yeah, so that's what has been my journey so far. So large part of my journey has been as an entrepreneur. And on the way, I've invested in few companies as an angel investor or as a strategic investor. So, so that's another thing uh, I've been doing on the sidelines, yeah. Okay. So uh, we will take a moment to discuss about your uh, latest venture, IndieCube. Uh, tell us what is it about uh, in, in a detailed way, wh what are the different offerings we have and the scale of operations? Yeah. So uh, uh, let me give a background uh, why we started IndieCube. So, so basically for CareerNet, we were growing very, very fast. And every two years, we were changing office. So we were fed up with that. And then we said, why don't we take up a larger office space and give the remaining space to other companies uh, so that when we grow, we don't have to change office. So with that intent, we moved into a 100,000 square feet office in Bangalore, where our requirement was only 50,000 square feet. And this was in 2013. Then uh, whatever companies we gave the office space, these companies started asking that, can I use your boardroom once a month, training room up uh, twice a month, transport, food, whatever amenities, services we created for our own use, they wanted to leverage that. Mm. So that is when we realized that there is a big gap in the market. At one end, you have the tech parks and the UBCT kind of buildings. And then, then you have individual landlords. So, so, so the market was very, very polarized uh, towards five-star and then no brand kind of a situation. So we thought that why don't we create an affordable uh, office space brand? Uh, in the market, which is a lot more accessible from a price point, from a location perspective, and which provides a plethora of services. Because at the end of the day, office is a lot about B2B and B2C services. 
So, so with that intent, uh, we picked up one property of 150,000 square feet in 2015, and it clicked. Uh, within four or five months, the whole space was leased out to different companies. So that gave us a lot of confidence that we have hit something big. So at that point of time, Meghna, my other co-founder, was focusing full time on this along with my father. And then uh, over a period of time, I started weaning off operationally from CareerNet and got involved into this full time. So today, as I talk to you, we are present in six locations across India, all six major cities. We have 50 plus properties, and uh, we have an area of about 3.5 million square feet that we manage, which is spread across 70,000 seats. Mm -hmm. And we have to 400 plus enterprise clients. Uh, one thing which differentiates us from uh, other co-working operators has been that a large part of our focus is on enterprises. So typically, you see 95% of our business comes from companies which have taken 50 seats going up to say 5,000 seats. So that's the bulk of business. So and these are mostly uh, large size, long stay uh, companies uh, uh, which, which have been uh, with us. And most of these companies have a mind of their own. So they require personalized offices. They expect uh, to be in their own office rather than in somebody else's office. So, so for their culture, brand, everything becomes very important. And also India is a very price conscious market. So people definitely uh, expect different price points. So not everybody can afford a 20 rupee uh, cup chai coffee. So we have chai coffee accessible at 5 rupees a cup going up to 20 rupees. So people can choose a lot of services uh, uh, in terms of scope and pricing depending upon their requirements. So, and, and uh, the whole thing runs on a good technology platform. The advantage we have is coming from technology background. Uh, we leverage a lot of that. So, so each tenant uh, or client we have is treated like a multi-tenancy setup on, on the platform. The plethora of B2B and B2C services are available to him or her on a a la carte or outcome-based pricing model. So, yeah. Uh, the co-working uh, space model has been in a lot of debate recently uh, due to the we work uh, uh, we works valuation drop uh, that happened I think uh, two years back uh, and after that it, the impact was also felt in many of the Indian uh, working workspace companies so any any major uh, fluctuation or impact that you have faced during that time and uh, and even uh, during the COVID time. So, uh, see, one thing which distinguishes India from uh, other markets is India is a very large commercial real estate market. If you see uh, Indian commercial real estate, the organized real estate is almost 650 million square feet now. And uh, it is very comparable to US. Uh, so, to give you an idea, pre-COVID, between 2013 and 18, Bangalore absorbed 55 million square feet of space. Hmm. And Shanghai was 27 million square feet. So, to, so you imagine Bangalore robbing two times more real estate uh, than Shanghai. Uh, uh, I can't think of any other area where we will be double of a large city like China, uh, Chinese, large, large Chinese city in anything else. So I think, uh, so what India clearly requires or continues to require is a 1.0 uh, in our kind of industry. Uh, it is very hard to replicate what may work in a downtown in London, Paris, or any of the big cities, or even in US and do it here. A uh, large part of Indian commercial real estate is highly unorganized. Uh, uh, the public transport is still very, very weak uh, in most of the places. Uh, and the price point expectations are very, very different over here. Uh, our kind of country is not looking at a five-star buffet. Our kind of country is looking at more of a 199 pizza with a lot of toppings. 
and as we are growing as an economy, uh, the the minimum price of pizza will go to two forty nine, two ninety nine, and like that. So, so there are a lot of I will say uh, country specific nuances, and the market is so large uh, uh, that we require a one dot o over here. So, so basically, while uh, WeWork has been a pioneer and and they they did a lot of good to the industry because they created the market, uh, a, a lot of larger companies, and they created the aspiration uh, that this business is about business centers is a new way of uh, consuming workspaces. So I think they did their bit. Uh, somewhere on the way, basically they over chewed than what they could swallow, and possibly they ran into troubles. And I am hoping that they will definitely be making a comeback uh, in some way or the other. So this definitely have a dent on that. But uh, since the India growth story was uh, in the commercial real estate, predominantly hinges on IT and the startups, and that segment has done exceptionally well, as you can see the kind of IPOs <laughs> raining these days is happening. So, so with with all that happening, I think uh, business is only going to go up. Where uh, COVID came in, COVID was definitely a big bump for all of us because uh, first people started thinking that whether they will come back to office or not. Then it changed to hybrid, and still, if you ask me, nobody knows uh, what percentage of people, when, how, who uh, will come back to office. So, and I believe that this whole thing will take 12 to 24 months to settle down. But uh, in all of this, uh, the best part that has happened is that. Uh, companies have continued to hire. If you ask today any company uh, what was their headcount in March 20 and today, 50 to 100 percent headcount growth has minimum happened in most of these companies. Okay. So our what we are seeing now is in the last three months as companies have started uh, talking to us again, that a lot of them uh, are saying, okay, even if 50 percent people come back, 60 percent people come back, or we require office, we still will require 100 percent of the space uh, uh, that uh, uh, we were having in March 20. So mm -hmm. so that's a good that there is no shrinkage uh, and a lot of other things are happening like basically uh, people today definitely know that nobody will commute two hours a day to work so the concept of offices is coming in intercity intracity uh, talent shortage is acute so people are now exploring tier two cities in a big way uh, uh, for, for uh, all of that so i think any kind of distributed workforce model or any kind of flexibility because of uncertainty which people are requiring all this is going to fuel our business. And the way we see the managed office co-working business is, a, I will say, a 2.0 of commercial real estate. See, the way you think of large malls that came in India about 15 years back, uh, right? Before that, we used to have shopping complexes. I think the commercial real estate has reached that tipping point where it is no longer just about the hardware, providing the real estate uh, with some good fountains and stuff like that around it. It is a lot more deeper. It's more closer to hospitality, uh, providing a plethora of B2B and B2C services and all of that. So, so once we talk about that, uh, we will see that change. And that is where you are seeing that people who own commercial real estate and people who will manage commercial real estate, there is a decoupling happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and our industry is part of that change. Uh, so, so, so I think both from a demand and supply point of view, uh, uh, this looks like is the right uh, model to go over the next eight, 10 years uh, of consumption. And uh, COVID definitely pushed consolidation, which I think was very much required because in India, the regulation tends to be very weak. Uh, a lot of people operating from properties where there are occupancy certificate issues, compliance issues, and all of that. So it was going on because there was madness. If you see a Bangalore kind of place was having 97, 98% occupancy before COVID. Today, it is hovering around 90 to 93%. So I think some way COVID has helped to differentiate the men and the boys. 
uh, uh, from that perspective, and that was very much required. People are asking those hard questions now, uh, quality, continuity, uh, and all of that, which people were not asking because so much was madness was there. So mm -hmm. I, I believe that good, bad, five to ten uh, good players uh, by geography, pan India uh, will evolve uh, in India, and we can already see that happening uh, now. Okay. Uh, uh, we we can discuss more about uh, venture, but I'd rather spend more time on <laughs> discussing about your journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, so uh, would like to hear about your at least early days of entrepreneurship, how it all started. Why did you choose the path of entrepreneurship in a time uh, when uh, uh, entrepreneurship was not a cool thing in India? In fact, there was no buzz around it. Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, if I recollect, uh, since my school days, basically when, when I was possibly a 10, 12 year old kid, business always used to fascinate me. Uh, 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 the way they run, the way they make profits, uh, uh, that was always very fascinating to me. And large part of my family comes from business, even though my father uh, retired from uh, UP City Board as chief engineer there. But large part of my family was always in business. I, if I recollect, my big tipping point was the liberalization in 1991. Mm. Uh, that is where it really caught my attention, uh, typically. And since then, I have been reading uh, Economic Times for the last 30 plus years and other business publications I have picked up on the way and a lot of periodical journals I picked up. And uh, uh, then uh, did a, one startup while I was in class 11, 12, it was into floriculture, helping one of my uncles do that. Uh, then uh, when I joined IIT Roorkee, uh, there was science technology entrepreneurship park. So set up the student chapter for that. Uh, a new elective in entrepreneurship was noted at that time, uh, immediately grabbed that, uh, top that elective. So, so whatever little opportunities as an engineering student, I could come on the way I was very keen to pick them up. Uh, all of, uh, and then uh, when I joined my first job, uh, the first day uh, I realized that I'm back to, it gave me a feeling of coming back to class first. Uh, where you uniform and then go to your school and you suddenly feel that you are lost. Mm. So I, that was a day I realized that uh, I do not have the patience uh, uh, to basically uh, withstand this, do it over years. Uh, uh, so, so that was in a way a put off or a, uh, you can say the push uh, uh, that I need to be on my own. Job is not meant for me. Okay. Uh, then uh, work there for about a year. And then uh, left it one fine day. Uh, uh, basically, my parents thought that uh, I'm back to Lucknow on vacation. Mm. Then after one or two, realized that he's not going back. So he's possibly left the job. So explored uh, a few things here, there, uh, through family, friends, connects, and all of that. And then narrowed down to the idea of uh, starting CareerNet. Uh, mm. And why CareerNet, uh, my brother had joined Infosys. Anshuman, my other co-founder, he joined Infosys in 1999, 98 from IIT Delhi, advisor from IIT Delhi. Okay. So I started uh, the things in Noida. So we were able to compare what was happening in Noida and uh, especially NCR and Bangalore at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, it is a good business to get in. Uh, there was no knockery.com by that time <laughs> uh, uh, kind of thing. And, and even email was a privilege. Uh, mobile calls were 16 rupees a minute uh, uh, kind of pricing point in 97, 98. Mm -hmm. So we thought that and networking came very naturally to us. Uh, we are very active in our alumni groups, three batches senior, three batches junior uh, kind of folks. So we thought that this is a good area where we come from tech backgrounds uh, and why don't we build a career out of this? And most importantly, this business does not require any capital. 
So we started at PC. Uh, PC was to cost two thousand five hundred rupees a month uh, on rent. Uh, so started with that, uh, and uh, uh, and got a lot of success. That was a time when uh, the Y two K problem was at its peak. A lot of body shopping was happening to US. So we were able to place a lot of people uh, uh, in in companies there. And uh, from there on, it kept on building. Uh, so then my brother earlier was doing moonlighting. Then he left in '99, and uh, then went, we went both went full time. We uh, involved a few of our uh, schoolmates, uh, very close friends, to join us as part of our initial team. And I'm happy that a large part of them are still with us. Our employee number one, two, three who joined in '99 are still with us. Uh, so we, if you see on the career net side, we easily have. Fifty plus people who have completed fifteen years with the company. So, 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 so that's the kind of culture organization we were able to build and uh, do a completely bootstrapped uh, business. So, never took any debt, any equity uh, in that business, uh, career net business, uh, for most part of our journey. A uh, few stock options are held by employees uh, in that business. Otherwise, uh, by and large, have been able to uh, do that. So and then uh, uh, IndieCube uh, happened, and IndieCube, as I told you, was more uh, of a opportunity setting on the enterprise edge. It was not as per a business plan or funding and all of that. And once we got into that, uh, 2018, we raised a round of capital from Westbridge uh, because this business we requires a much larger amount of capital and right. wanted to grow very. Fast. So we had to take a lot of risk. So equity capital was required and. we also uh, got lots of support from ashish gupta he was a uh, basically founding partner for hedion uh, uh, so ashish in his personal capacity uh, put in some amount of money uh, and he has been a mentor and support to me for last two decades so so with that uh, that's how uh, the entrepreneur journey the 2.0 shaped up uh, of the, of my journey uh, as an entrepreneur yeah okay so uh... wanted to understand uh, your perspective on what 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 is happening in india since last 5 uh, uh, years especially lot of startups coming up lot of unicorns coming up and uh, as well as uh, the uh, funding space uh, is also uh, little heated up uh, 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 since last 5 years so what is your perspective where is india going and how is the startup story uh, leading uh, and the whole narrative so i always give the analogy of a nuclear fission reaction uh, when i look at the entrepreneurship story in india i think the first nuclear fission reaction was in the late 90s uh, when companies like nokri.com or infosys and all of them actually into big limelight this was the late 90s early 2000s uh, uh, kind of a time frame and then we saw the other stint happening in 2008 9 7 8 when the flip cards of the world uh, actually uh, uh, started growing third was around 2015 when basically a lot of these companies started getting exits uh, founders were making smart money the initial team was making smart money and a lot of this smart money was going into uh, promoting other entrepreneurs see the in india the big problem has been that the indian businessman has been by and large a uh, interest and rent seeking class uh if you go to any small town in india and you ask where do you get most of your income from people will say rent and interest uh right so so there was no concept of risk and i think a lot of that what has happened now we are possibly in the fourth stage of nuclear fission reaction and as you know nuclear fission reaction when it reaches the later stages it it just compounds so i think what we have hit now is basically a massive 
uh, 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 chain reaction now. Uh, and, and that is where you see the, today I personally have lost count uh, of the unicorns that have come out in this year. So, so and I think uh, the next 10 years, uh, this is going to continue. The India story is so robust, so strong, uh, 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 that if, if, if any of us as entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs do not capitalize on it, we are only to blame for it. So, so it is at a phenomenal place. Of course, uh, uh, things seem to be little too heated up. And I just hope that none of this goes the Satyam way. Uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, two bad stories, two busts, definitely earn a lot of bad name for the entire uh, startup world. So I think that's uh, one place where we all need to be very cautious and act responsibly. But otherwise, I think there is no stopping, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, that's how we see it. Okay. Uh... You are also an investor in uh, some of the companies. Uh, so the, just trying to an investor's point of view, how do you who know that this is a company that one should invest in? And uh, how do you see the green signals? So there are two types of investments. One is strategic, basically, which are more aligned to the businesses that we do. And the other is more you do as an investor investor. Mm -hmm. So the first category, Definitely, you need to see that what synergies are there and then eventually uh, can that be acquired, folded up or merged or whatsoever. Uh, so, so there the view we take on opportunities is very different. Uh, build versus partner buy kind of a approach is, is what drives our decisions. The second is when we look at our investor, investor, I think the key thing is, of course, the founders. And most importantly, I will say other than the founders is the governance. And, and unless until we see that there is some institutional investor or somebody who is going to devote a good amount of time to drive uh, the hygiene uh, uh, over there. Uh, as a minority shareholder in India, uh, without a good check on governance, it is very difficult to see uh, that any money that you put in will eventually see the light of the day. So, so governance is a very, very important thing other than the founder. The other two things I will say uh, that uh, drives uh, a lot of our decisions here. Okay, uh, I'd also like to hear your perspective on uh, on uh, the impact of startups on our country. So, uh, uh, just a uh, background to this uh, question: uh, India comes from a very uh, socialistic kind of mindset, and entrepreneurship and startups they are uh, capitalistic uh, uh, ball games. Uh, how do you see go India uh, in next 10 years time where it is going as a society and uh, as a country uh, in terms of embracing the capitalism culture? So let me start with the society first. So if you see there is a sea change uh, in the uh, attitude of the society. Like I will give my personal example. When we started, it took me almost three years to explain to my parents that what am I doing? Uh, uh, so, 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 and then uh, when uh, I was getting married, mine is an organ, uh, is a arranged marriage. So, even even if you go uh, and, and marriage is a big thing in the Indian society for some reason, I don't know why, but but still, it's a big issue, uh, right? So, so you see the perspective was so different. People were a lot more comfortable uh, with somebody in a nine to six job earning even one hundredth of the money that we were possibly making, uh, rather than uh, looking at an entrepreneurship. But today, you see. Entrepreneurship is so much idolized and adored. So I think the social acceptance for entrepreneurship is very, very high. Uh, uh, sometimes it is uh, become a lot more fashionable, actually. Uh, 
uh, even though people might not be doing anything, but people uh, want to say that they are entrepreneurs, right? So, so, so we have to be careful on that aspect. If I talk about the government, uh, and if you talk to senior bureaucrats, I see a sea change in their attitude. Most of them are very, very pro-outsourcing. Uh, they know the limitations. And uh, today, they are not getting bedazzled by only the big names. Most of the seasoned bureaucrats know that there are enough good startups who are solving real issues. And they're very, very enthusiastic about encouraging, promoting them. So uh, from that point of view, uh, the bureaucracy uh, is, is definitely uh, getting a lot more aligned, especially the younger bureaucrats. Uh, uh, I'm seeing that uh, receptiveness is there. And same thing applies to politicians also. Uh, so, so that change definitely is there where that, uh, uh, of course, from a political narrative point of view, socialism, Ahmadmi and all that, they will continue talking. But if you talk to them on a one-on-one, -on -one, I think there is a lot of regard for entrepreneurs. Uh, and the sense that uh, the, the kind of impact and the problems they can solve, it is very difficult for them to solve just on their own. So, so I think it, the approach is very collaborative, harmonious, participative. There is no confrontation, uh, I see. And I think uh, maybe in next five years, uh, whatever left of socialism is there, that also should go uh, over there. Okay. Uh, now, coming to the uh, personal side of being an entrepreneur. So, as an entrepreneur, you are required to stay energetic and consistent uh, most of the times, at least uh, more than what a common man uh, would do. Uh, and uh, sometimes you may feel tired, restless, and lose the focus as well. And when that happens, uh, your business might also suffer because you are leading a complete unit. Uh, how do you manage such situations? And more importantly, how do you stay consistent? So, see, uh, and this is a line uh, which uh, my mentor Ashish Gupta told us back that uh, entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs at one level are schizophrenic. Uh, uh, so at one end, uh, they will be completely paranoid and say nothing is working out when they are on their own, uh, talking to themselves uh, or the very key people. And then when they are, go out to their employees and all, all, they will say all is well, all is well, uh, uh, kind of a thing. And they very seamlessly uh, shift between these two personalities. Uh, all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so uh, and, and another example you can pick up is this uh, Stockdale syndrome, uh, which is uh, during the Vietnam War, he was the highest ranking American uh, uh, admiral who was uh, basically put in confinement by the Vietnamese. So, so, so the way he solves it, that, that at one end, he has a full belief that we will get out. So entrepreneur is someone who has the belief uh, that I will get through, I will get past this problem. At the same time, when entrepreneur is attempting to solve the problem, he is absolutely paranoid that uh, uh, as if he or she will die if they are not able to solve it. Uh, so, so I think when, when it comes to execution, solving things, you have to show that kind of paranoia. At the same time, you have to be calm enough uh, uh, to be able to have that faith uh, uh, that uh, in Hindi it is said that Itni shakti dena data ki man ka I think that's a key thing that, uh, that, uh, that uh, man ka vishwas is a key thing. Uh, that should not get uh, dissipated anywhere. Rest, I think, is very easy to handle. And uh, uh, and there also, I believe that uh, it is very important to have uh, co-founders uh, or have friends in the organization, not just employees. I can tell you personally, I am blessed. I have a couple of my batchmates uh, who are friends. They are not batchmates. And they are lifetime friends, uh, uh, companions. Uh, so the amount of things that you can confess with them uh, talk to them. I think that is very important uh, in an entrepreneurship journey. Uh, 
those uh, those uh, friends uh, uh, or colleagues uh, are, are 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 absolutely priceless, and all of us should cherish them uh, and treat them with much more respect than we treat ourselves uh, uh, over there. So if, if one does that, I think it's uh, it's something which can be easily managed. Okay, uh, a big part of entrepreneur's life uh, uh, go towards uh, making decisions, and uh, when you make decisions, it impacts a lot of people's lives. Uh, can you tell us what is the process of decision making that you follow when uh, taking tough decisions? So here I will say that see, as businesses grow, the complexity increases. So and, and most entrepreneurs are jack of all. Typically, we are not master of uh, none. I will not say, but master of maybe one kind of a thing. But we are jack of all. So what I have personally realized is that as business grows, whether it is HR decisions, finance decisions and all that, the complexity is huge. Now, when you, when you have to handle that level of complexity, the key issue is understanding the phenomena, understanding the science uh, behind it. So a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we get caught into being unable to understand the science behind it, why it is happening, uh, uh, kind of a thing. And that is where I think that role of functional experts, the role of board, the role of mentors come in. Uh, 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 typically, and they they it's like it's like a, uh, basically a king has to have a very good uh, uh, wazir or the panel of uh, ministers, right? Uh, 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 basically, and and they advise the king that okay, if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. The decision is of the king, uh, uh, right? Entrepreneurship in a lot entrepreneurship entrepreneur is a lot like that. Uh, that uh, as you grow, you need to appreciate that uh, what kind of things are going to become a lot more complex. Uh, which will be beyond uh, our comprehension and you keep bringing experts uh, 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 for those aspects and allow them to deconstruct, take their advice and then multiplex it with many other factors and then take a decision uh, so that the decision becomes a lot more informed over there. That's what personally I try to do uh, in areas where, uh, uh, where I believe that uh, it is beyond my understanding uh, and ability uh, and that has worked well for us. Uh, when you make decisions, some of those decisions also end up uh, becoming a failure. Uh, can you tell us about some of the instances where you have failed as an entrepreneur? So there are there are a good number of instances where uh, we have failed a, 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 as an uh, entrepreneur. Uh, uh, typically, because entrepreneurship is a lot about uh, the Brahma and the Shiva. Uh, so if you keep doing only Brahma, then there is a problem. So you need to also do Shiva to destroy it. Uh, if, if something is not working out. So, uh, like, I, I remember uh, we made one uh, strategic investment and uh, uh, then we realized that the company had a lot of governance issues. Uh, so, so basically, so that was a mistake in the hindsight uh, that, uh, that we should have been a lot more particular about governance uh, uh, than, than what possibly we did uh, over there. Uh, the other areas have been uh, hiring some people uh, at senior levels, uh, typically, uh, and and they were excellent people, but possibly uh, we were not ready for that. So sometimes you over uh, hire basically very senior folks, and the organization doesn't have that level of maturity, the abstraction that those people expect uh, to be provided. So you go more by their experience and profiles. So we made a couple of mistakes uh, on that side without creating the so-called hygiene, the abstraction. We just hired them and thought that things will work out. Uh, they did not go uh, as planned. 
so uh, yeah so those are uh, some of the places where we see that uh, we have gone wrong we have not raised a lot of money and also i can't say that we <laughs> terribly goofed up with money but yes with people uh, definitely and then this uh, funding and all is where we yeah okay uh, speaking of hiring and uh, uh, you you hire for your company and uh, as well as for other companies as well uh, uh, can you tell us which kind of people are most suitable for a startup environment so see this this keeps evolving uh, when you start a business obviously you cannot hire anybody uh, who is very experienced uh, been there done it kind of people neither you need it neither you can afford them neither they are going to come to you so so it starts with uh, basically mostly friends and acquaintances where your personal brand equity uh, matters more than anything else. Uh, 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 and people come join you because of that and then uh, as you start growing uh, then uh, uh, depending upon uh, uh, your business growth uh, your your capital uh, requirements risk and all of that is where you start uh, basically raising the bar uh, uh, typically because you can't be choosers in the beginning and and that's where you start bringing in people uh, uh, so you start taking external help from companies like careernet longhouse our executive search brand uh, uh, and do that and then once you do that obviously sometimes you have to make hard decisions because what what has brought you from 0 to 1 may not take you from 1 to 10 mm. so you need to be very clear uh, with people that what person you have on the team who can take you from 0 to 1 1 to 10 and 10 to 100 all these three are very very different kinds of scale ups uh, so what will work for rarely you will see that uh, uh, people will fit into everything uh, kind of a, a situation so so that's one thing to look for the other thing is that uh, uh, i always say this that aptitude is becoming a commodity and attitude is becoming a rarity mm. uh, so I, i told you that 15 50 plus people who have been with us for more than 15 years you'll be surprised a good number of these people do not even have the offer letters the first offer letters mm. and there are people where in last 15 20 i never have done even one compensation uh, discussion with them uh, good times bad times i've never discussed salary with them uh, mm. right i imagine this to happen any longer uh, uh, that that basically uh, that's that sense of gratitude uh, that sense of mutual respect and all that uh, is 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 on a decline in a big way uh, uh, so 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 i think that's the biggest casualty the attitude is the biggest casualty today uh, which which is very very difficult to see so i always try to hire people whom we believe are humble and good human beings uh, rather than being the most competent guy Uh, uh, so brash, uh, uh, competent, and arrogant is something which I have seen for us has not worked out. Uh, uh, that that category still people if they are slightly less competent but they are humble. I think that category of people are uh, much better in the long run. Sometimes you have to put a bull in the china shop, so that's okay. You may have some boys on the team because you need somebody to come and disrupt uh, mm. uh, uh, things. So so once in a while it's okay, but you cannot have too many of those people. Uh, on your team uh, is to be looked into the other is that uh, it, it has become more like moves law that average tenure of people in a company is reducing mm-hmm. uh, i 20 years back 15 years back if people do not have a stay of at least 3 years in a company we never used to even look at this sure. today when we get a guy with 10 year experience seven jobs i am telling you honestly we try convincing ourselves that why should we meet oh this company may have closed down this company may have got merged Uh, we we justify to ourselves that why are we meeting this candidate 
so i think that is one aspect which all entrepreneurs and all managers have to uh, reconcile with uh, uh, that uh, jobs are becoming more of assignments uh, uh, than basically uh, uh, more of a career opportunity or whatever uh, has to be put in so we are dealing with a very different uh, expectation uh, talent today uh so 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 we need to uh, basically be very very uh, clear on that uh, and, and it's a big change uh, uh, uh for, for a lot of people uh, who who have tried to create organizations see the big problem i see today is that the big casualty in entrepreneurship is that very few of us are trying to create organizations uh, we are trying to create success stories uh, mm-hmm. and everywhere, everybody here is for an exit mm-hmm. and i always continue to believe that the best companies are bought they are never sold uh, uh, right so somewhere uh, that's a that 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 is reflecting in the talent attitude today also well that is so true uh coming to the next question how would you define the term entrepreneur or what is the meaning of the uh, meaning of entrepreneurship to you so i will use i may not be able to quote it in a right way but uh, uh, one very good line i like which uh, i listened to manish sabarwal once so manish said that uh, entrepreneurship is the art of staying put till the time you get lucky uh, so i think uh, entrepreneurship is one person uh, 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 entrepreneurship is one person who should stand the course uh, you have to be there for the long haul and in between uh, whatever you believe in your hypothesis is there you will get the opportunity uh, so the question is that can you stay the course can you pivot your business whatsoever and all of that uh, but if you can withstand the course uh, uh, you will get lucky sometime and that is good enough as a reward uh, for whatever you set out for yourself to start off okay uh, the final question from my side uh, tell us about the interesting lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur which we can take away and apply to our venture so uh, uh hmm that's a tough one <laughs> so uh so one big lesson is uh, uh, that stay the course i think get into uh, entrepreneurship for the long haul uh, uh you drivers have to be uh, uh, very different from valuation money fame any of that like i, I sometimes give this example to people when you look at uh, in our time 20 years back a lot of people used to write civil services exams these people continue to write today but uh, of course in iits and all that number has gone down uh, today people used to stay in gsri for 3 3 4 4 years uh, they are go to us will be doing so well and all of that but they were they were so i see that the intense desire that they had uh, uh, to get into civil services i i can't think of it Uh, uh they know that they have a cozy job which they can pick up any time but they were foregoing that and and pursuing that dream so i think somewhere entrepreneurship is a, a about like i have seen that intensity uh, what is the intensity of your passion uh, is is very very uh, important and th- that has held good uh, the other thing is uh, try to do uh, basically more with less uh, frugality is very 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 important and not only in the personal life but in every aspect of the business sometimes these days when i see that people raise a lot of money uh, uh see burning money on your business model is a fine thing but suddenly you coming and saying that i need a very swanky office 
right and, and and all of that as if you have arrived in life like i always tell when a young entrepreneurs come to us asking for office i always say that please treat this office as our office not the office uh, uh five years down the line you can think about your the office mm. uh, uh, uh is something uh, uh, that is there third thing i will say that what, what, uh, people are generating a lot of wealth today uh, but uh, it takes time to stabilize the wealth uh, uh, i remember a couple of weeks back i was uh, reading uh, mr ashok suta happiest minds founder one somebody whom i really really respect a lot uh, uh, somebody asked him that uh, when do you see a lot of younger entrepreneurs will start doing charity so he gave a very nice answer he said that let's not uh, rush up on that a lot of the entrepreneurs today who are generating wealth let that wealth stabilize it takes 10 15 years for the wealth to stabilize uh, and uh, where i stay radhas palm retreat in bangalore and when i see people around uh, a lot of people who have got good exits i think uh, they still are uh, will take their own sweet time for wealth to stabilize which is very very important uh, because a lot of people uh, if you ask me uh, 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 have taken a big hit on their personal lives i see the big casualty of uh, entrepreneurship in india unfortunately has been uh, a loss of personal lives uh, typically uh, people not living together and all that so i i definitely say that uh, one should not uh, uh, be an entrepreneur at the cost of personal life you should have a great personal life uh, uh, because success uh, beyond that has no meaning typically right i i, I remember uh, one uh, being told by a very close person that one founder who had almost half a billion dollar exit right he went to the depression and now 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 how do you justify somebody having a half a billion dollar personal exit and going into depression uh and so 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 nothing should be done beyond a point at the cost of personal life these are few few things uh, which i believe uh, are my takeaways as an entrepreneur consistency sustainability uh, and something if you can create enduring i think is what uh, one should aim for uh, during this journey well uh, i think uh, it was a beautiful session and uh, the answers were spot on lot of learnings i think 20 plus years of entrepreneur journey uh, came with a lot of learning and uh, we could uh, hear some of it today a uh, lot of uh, clarity in the thoughts thanks for your time rishi and our best wishes for indico and all the future ventures that you'll build Yeah thank you thank you Ravi yeah thank you Priya yeah thank you very much yeah thank you